Oh my. <laughs> you said we were only doing the first yeah, part. I know, but I had to. You lied to me. You know what? You know what we should do with that is uh, we'll just we'll make a game out of it. And as we're going along this episode, I'll just randomly drop some. And you got to do the call and response. With <laughs> well, the, oh, yeah. I'll just I'll just interrupt you. <laughs> you have to go. Oh my! <laughs> you have to. You have to dance, monkey rule. dance. Yeah. Oh my god! We have had Aladdin songs stuck in our head for the past few days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's it, not without reason. It's not without reason, of course. But until before we get to that, we have <laughs> so much fucking shit that's happened in the last two weeks since yeah. our last episode. Do a little little movie news roundup. Yeah, uh, Marvel has released the next two years of their lineup, and mm-hmm. anyone in the VFX industry just shuddered because of the <laughs> amount of work that is there. And all comic book fans just went, "Excuse me, two Avengers films in the same fucking year? Yeah, no way. Six months of each other? There's no way. That's insane. And yeah. it's, I mean, there's some great stuff on there. I cannot say I'm not excited. Right, I, right. The fact that they're trying to sell the film on, called Kang Dynasty <laughs> with very with seriousness makes me happy. But at yeah. the same time, it's like, okay, <laughs> let's yeah. see where it goes. And I don't know. I, 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 I'm excited to see, hopefully, because there's been criticisms with the MCU this whole Phase 4, obviously, because, like, this was going to be the growing pain phase, I think, regardless of what yeah. they did. But even with that in mind, there have been some noticeable issues that I think growing pains aside could have been avoided. Sure. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> Just Mar- time. Marvel's in an interesting space right now where, like, you know, you, from the moment Endgame came out, you had, yeah. you know, people all over the internet being like, well... They had a good run, but I'm done with Marvel. Or, like, I don't care about any new characters. All my favorite mm-hmm. characters are done now. Um, and so they've they've been facing that since the jump with Phase 4. Um, but now yeah. we are officially, what, like 50 hours into Phase 4 when you combine all of the TV shows and movies and stuff. That's- and uh yeah, you, you. I mean, obviously they've got some. They've got some winners so far on the roster. You know, we we've had several good stories be told, good characters fleshed out and introduced. Strong um, creatives that I would love to see get more time to shine. If yeah, not actually get get more time to work with other departments right, <laughs> in right. Marvel at that time as well. But, but I think a lot of people are kind of feeling like. Okay, we're not entirely sure where this is going or who's going to wind up being important. Mm-hmm. Give me some direction here. Yeah. Um, and while I admire them for not like immediately launching full fledged into like the next Infinity Saga or whatever bigger overarching storyline is going to tie it all together, I think mm-hmm. it's important to like lay that groundwork. I think they are yeah. in a position now where. You know, maybe hopefully we start to get a better sense of if not how it's going to tie together narratively then at least like gain a sense of you know which pieces of this story are significant and are going to move forward and that sort of thing yeah the hardest part about going forward from this point is that in phase three it's like a lot of the things that have kind of some things have, that have been untouched since phase one they found a way to tie in in a pretty satisfying way and there's no way you know that unless you actually just go through all the films and hope, okay, I wonder if this thing's going to come back into right, play, and then right. it does. 
Because Marvel is good at what they do, but at the same time, that also means they have like 10 fucking films <laughs> yeah. between when something's introduced and when maybe something comes back. Yeah. And hopefully, with I think the way that Feige has talked about, you know, with this saga not trying to be as long as Infinity sure. Saga to a degree, yeah. or at least be a bit more streamlined in some way, shape, or form, yeah. because there's no rocks that need to be collected at this right. point. So we'll see. But yeah, they're yeah <laughs> at this point. Yeah, they're they're moving. I mean, they're able to, and they're trying to move a lot faster, just yes. by virtue of the fact that there are twice or three times as many movies and shows coming mm-hmm. out every year than there used to be. But, yeah, and the problem um, is, is there are now two or three times more TV shows yeah, and yeah. movies than there used to, and so right. while so if if you're an MCU fan, you are eating fat and happy right now. That also means that some of the projects, both film and television, have looked a tad rough in yeah, places. Yeah, some of the some of the technical quality has suffered, yeah. and that's true for Star Wars too. So I think it's a it's a bit of a, a yeah. Disney problem. I think broadly. so. Yeah, I I think it's very clearly like. They again, because I mean, we've we've talked off mic about this. We're both Star Wars and Marvel, you know, sluts. Yeah, so right. of course they're we're in Disney's pocket. Definitely, you I'm know, I'm always sp- excited to see a new chapter about Glup Shitto. Yeah, we're all excited. We can't wait to talk about the Descendants. <laughs> totally not paid by Disney or the Zombies trilogy, which we just found out this oh, weekend yes. is a trilogy. But yeah, I mean, with both the Star Wars, I mean, Star Wars's issue is, in my opinion, it's very reactionary and yeah. it's just finds things that people like and they're like okay let's make a full show out of it and it's like should we and it's <laughs> right. like ah we'll see do we have a story yeah. well as with the mcu it's like they are very well aware of how much potential and talent they have yet yeah. they seem like the amount of time and money they're giving to that talent varies yeah understandably so but it also means that time gets crunched real real quick yeah yeah and also leads to the fact that like i think hopefully if there's anything with the mcu in the in the lineup that was announced i'm hoping the falcon and the winter soldier problem of like covid really fucked the story and right. so we have to completely write it or the fact that love and thunder which we've never talked about on mike because it had nothing <laughs> to do with our last trilogy in any way shape or form but we both thought was at best fine yeah but that's the problem is that when you're in the fourth phase of a cinematic universe you should be pushing farther than fine yeah and the fourth entry in In, that character's story you know yeah uh, it's it's, yeah it felt a bit of a a like strangely like lazy or complacent movie for, yeah. for like forging a new path forward with the character mm-hmm. yeah i think i think the the way that i saw it when when we because you when we saw it together it was your second time because you yeah, saw right. an early screen right. of it when i saw it i just couldn't help but think like like taika just fucking painted himself in the corner when he was making fun of those other thor films because i yeah. feel like he'd kind of would he would make he a pretty bomb dark world if he was given a chance yeah, and i think like he realized that serious kind of more, more yeah. epic version of Cause, thor because hilarious so like hilariously it seems like every most people's issues both you know just kind of like casual fans and also way too hardcore fans um totally not us but are just like okay the goofiness and the self-awareness is kind of a little 
no, it's overbearing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should tone that down a bit if we do this again. And yeah. I'm hoping going forward, it looks like they're not going to get away with the, get rid of the self awareness in the MCU because, in my opinion, they fucking shouldn't. Because yeah, this they is, don't really need to. Yeah, this is going to be a universe that in the next two years is going to introduce the smartest man in the world that also is a rubber band man. Yeah. And, you know, we have She-Hulk, and we have the fact that they're calling it the Multiverse Saga. The fact that it's just called that, and it's, <laughs> it's insane. And, yeah, we'll see where we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Uh, a lot of interesting projects. Yeah. Um, really, Daredevil's back. That's the most important part, honestly. <laughs> Daredevil, Kingpin's back. I yeah. swear, if I... There's no way to, better way to say this. If they announce that fucking Bullseye is in the D- Disney Plus show, I'll lose it. <laughs> I've it's like everybody who loved that Netflix show has just been waiting with like yeah. faded breath. Like you better, that man has been waiting in the corner. Right, right. <laughs> He's doing nothing. Yeah, give that man time to shine. But yeah, other than MCU, we've seen a bunch of films since the last time, <laughs> and we, we we both saw Nope. You Correct. really liked it. Yeah, I thought it was great. I think Peel is straightforward going into full tilt weird, and I appreciate yeah. that. And I don't know where he'll go from here, but I just I like that he keeps getting more <sighs> money to yeah. make movies. I mean, I do you know how much that movie cost? Wasn't it like seventy? Sixty. Sixty. But that's yeah. insane, though. Yeah, I you, mean, you think he? Uh, I'm pretty sure us was like maybe a third of that at most yeah uh it was i think yeah i think it goes i think it was three to four million for get, get out, out 30 for us okay and so 60 for it. nope which is insane and i think it's i think it's wild that universal is at a point <laughs> where it is it's you know its parent company is completely just losing its money on peacock and here comes universal being like here jordan peele you can make whatever you want right and speaking of auteurs is being able to make whatever they want, it was also announced at the time of this recording, fucking Daniels, the duo behind Everything Everywhere All at Once, just signed a five-picture deal with Universal as well. Oh. So they're going from Swiss Army Man and A24, you know, just kind of indie yeah. darlings to now having oh. apparently a Universal contract it's insane wow and i love that and i hope to god they get the peel treatment if that's the case (laughs) but yeah Yeah. that was that was just announced uh other films andy saw prey the new predator film that's uh out this weekend right i believe so it should be out by the time you're listening to this because we always record live so um, and you can actually listen to my thoughts about Prey on uh, the Obsessive Viewer. Uh, that yes. is Matt Hurt's podcast. Mm-hmm. Andy cheated on me. That's true. He, when he went on to the podcast. I, I flirt around. He, he, I waited all night <laughs> for him to come back. I had a light on and everything, and he took until very, very late to come back. I, well, I saw a red light on on my way here, <laughs> so I had to Fair stop enough. by. But uh, on the flip side of things, in terms of other films that are already out or on their way. Uh, I saw the Gray Man. Oh yeah, it is the Gray Man. There is this very it's much the gray movie. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like I personally was really did not like Cherry like almost at all. Yeah, and was just kind of like it feels very much like the Gray Man is like okay, our awards darling with Tom Holland did not do anything. Yeah. So I guess we just do what we've been doing. Right. <laughs> and so they just do, 
an action series for Netflix that I think now has announced that they're thinking about doing a sequel and a prequel. Yeah. Or a prequel and a spinoff. I thought it was a sequel and a spinoff, maybe. Something like that. But even yeah. then, it's like, there's just not a lot to the Gray Man yeah. to really want that. Like To me, it reminds me of, like I would say, one of my least favorite parts about the Civil War, of Civil War, which Captain America Civil War, really good film. Enjoy that film much more than fucking Gray Man. <laughs> but the thing is, like... When it comes to certain action beats in Civil War, in my opinion, it feels like I'd rather watch those clips isolated than actually watch the whole film to get to it. And The Gray Man is just entirely that. It's Uh not just clips. All the action stuff, for the most part, is fine. There is one fight that is just horribly edited (laughs) from top to bottom. You can't see anything. And when you do see it, you kind of wish you couldn't see it. And it's very early on in the film, and thankfully after that, it doesn't get that bad again. But again, it's just like, this movie's $200 million. How the fuck did that happen? Yeah. But, yeah, great cast. It's good to see Gosling. It uh, feels like a bit of a sunk cost move on Netflix's part to yeah. be like, yeah, we're franchising this before they even really get a sense of if anybody wants it. Yeah, it's it's because they they're just trying to sell the idea that like we're still we're still growing. We haven't yeah. lost subscribers. Don't listen to that news. We're also still yeah. making big stuff, and Feels it's like, so weird. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, but the whole I mean, it, it feels like a little bit of a um, I don't know a crowd war um, releasing. You know, they're most expensive action movie ever the same weekend that you know an auteur theatrical release nope comes out and then the russos are all over the press being like yeah the cinema experience isn't really that important it's snobby and it's like okay it's 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 you guys made your money (laughs) on the biggest screens in the world yeah. Like, let's not let's not wade into that debate. Yeah, that's 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 a very mixed bag, especially to hear from them, where it's very clear like they're selling the Gray Man on their theatrical epics right. that they were a part of. Yeah, and now what we get is unfortunately it's not again not every streaming straight to streaming film is like this, especially. You know, there are some Netflix films that are very, you know, artsy or are very more art- auteurish that are just like... Like Tall Girl? Like... <laughs> <laughs> bah, yes. bah. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, no, like something like Mank or the fact that, you know, like Blonde. I'm so fucking excited for Blonde. That's oh, all I yeah. got to say about that. Uh, can't believe this, I can't believe that fucking film got NC-17 and I can't wait to see why. But, no, no, it's just like there is a common thing of just like, oh... This definitely has that issue that, like, a lot of big-budget Netflix things tend to have. Yeah. And it's hard not to... I mean, it's hard not to watch The Gray Man and be, like, at its worst moments, be like, is this how it feels to watch Red Notice? <laughs> I didn't watch Red Notice, but and I never will, but is it like this? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's just, like, you have a talented cast, you have, you know, a, a talented... Crew, like it's talented just, crew, throwing talented. money at the dartboard. Yeah. yeah, and it's making some very odd choices yeah. all across the board, especially when the script is as fucking shallow as <laughs> it is. Like Chris Evans is an absolute bastard in yeah. Gray Man, and I love it. 
him and his shit stash is just he is chewing the scenery as an absolute sociopath <laughs> but there's so little to his character yeah to the point where it's like when they describe relationships More of a and why caricature than a character yeah you, you find out later in the film he has like a closer relationship to characters you've already been established to uh. and you go like didn't feel that in any way, Did I you surprised me. I can't believe you're throwing this at me last minute. What your expectations were subverted, Logan? Truly was, truly was. But uh, yeah, there's the gray man. Um, God, is there anything else uh, that came out recently? That I saw, you saw Vengeance. That was pretty good. Oh yeah, the you BJ saw Vengeance. Novak's uh, feature directorial debut mm-hmm. um, about a guy who tries to start a true crime podcast investigating the murder of a woman he had hooked up with a few times um basically her family he comes to realize that her family thought that he was her boyfriend because she talked him up a lot to them and so he gets kind of embroiled in their family dynamic and he's like a new york liberal snob and they are all texan kind of rednecks and so it's a little bit of that Mm -hmm. culture clash but um I thought it was a lot more like earnest and charming and insightful into how we should treat one another than than maybe it let on. So I really liked it and highly recommend it. All right, sweet. It it definitely looks like if you know who B.J. Novak is. Right. If you look at what like you oh know this is going to be a little smarter than it might seem at it, first. It looks yeah. exactly because his name is Ryan from The Office, right? Yeah, he's Ryan in The it Office. It kind of looks like this might be something that Ryan from The Office would be yeah, in or yeah. make. And, and, Not you know, a totally dissimilar mm-hmm. character. I like BJ, though, and I also like the cast in it. I think Boyd Holbrook is, like, one of those guys that mm-hmm. just, like, shows up every now and again. It's like, ooh, I'm glad you're in this. I'm yeah. glad you're getting a little bit. And then also Ashton Kutcher. Yep. Ashton Duff Kutcher Cameron. is great. Boyd, actually, the whole cast is great. But, yeah, Ashton Kutcher, it's always fun when he turns up every once in a while because he doesn't do much anymore acting-wise because yeah. he's busy with his other uh, endeavors. Um, but he turns up in this and like is totally kind of goes against his cast or his type, um, mm-hmm. which is great. Boyd Holbrook's super endearing. The whole family is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. The last thing I think we bring up is <laughs> we, the hottest we, news of the week. Truly the, the wildest news of the week is right. that after Warner Brothers has put at least 70 million into what was supposed to be a 90 million film. Uh, called Batgirl that was initially supposed to be streaming only on HBO Max and then Warner Brothers hinted at it being in theaters because they trusted it so much. It was going to have uh, Brendan Fraser in it, J.K. Simmons, the actress playing Batgirl. The name Leslie is Leslie Grace. Yes, Leslie Grace. She was in In the Heights, killed mm-hmm. it in In the Heights. Yep. They p- were in production for four months and then, as of recently, they have completely shut down production entirely. As in, like. They are not finishing the film. <laughs> after seventy million dollars, the 90 film. Ninety million, I think. I think, uh, yeah, I think after you know, it just. It's, <laughs> I can't, and it's, it's an out of nowhere announcement. I mean, like we hadn't heard anything super recently. No, it was yeah. Just presumed that things were going swimmingly. Everybody was talking it up. Um, I believe, I don't know about reshoots, but I think like principal production was finished. I it was close. Uh, if it close. wasn't. Um, so it's like you've got a mostly made movie for ninety million dollars, and you're just gonna shelve it. Yeah. And it's not. They didn't say we're shelving this indefinitely. We're delaying it. We're not sure what we're doing with it. It's. 
yeah. as far as we know, the film is canceled. The, I mean, there have been things being thrown around about their sources saying that, you know, there were rough screenings that people really enjoyed. There, I think New York Times came out with an article and said the complete opposite happened. Yeah. I think overall, ultimately, what makes the most sense, and this sounds just so fucking insane if this is the case, the rumor is is that the the Warner Brothers Discovery merger has gone through, which if you don't know, Warner Brothers has merged with Discovery Media. Yeah. And apparently the rumor is the Discovery execs or the new execs brought in for their department just decided that like films like Batgirl were not big enough. They were like, we want movies yeah. that are closer to like 150, 200 million. We don't want films like this Ugh. and just shut it down. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if I think because Blue Beetle is done or farther oh, along in production yeah. in Batgirl. Like, if Blue Beetle was at the same space that Batgirl was, that would have probably also gotten canned. Right. I mean, it could be canned by the time yeah. we I do mean, a next episode. Right, so right. This is also coming off the heels of the kind of oh fiasco surrounding the Flash film. Um, oh, my God. Ezra Miller is in very deserved hot water. Um and, and WB seems to be not sure what to do with him. They've they delayed Flash. Was it indefinitely or just to 2023? They because of what because of their antics and yeah. their controversy, Warner Brothers has pushed it back a year. Yeah, because it was originally. Which, I think originally it was going to be Aquaman two and Flash at the end of this year. This year, yeah. but now it's Black Adam and Shazam two. Right, and. Uh, again, on the same Warner Brothers thing, apparently Jason Momoa a little while ago posted a picture with Ben Affleck and basically just said like, just oh, revealed. yeah, that Ben Affleck's Batman, who at this time <laughs> was told to be done because Ben Affleck was not in the best place at the time he was yeah. making Batfleck and also was... Not really spoke, enjoying spoke a lot pretty of... pretty openly about yeah. how unpleasant his experience was. And really just did not like the response to it. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently he's coming back and there could be a possibility. And this is not, this is a tinfoil hat theory, but right. with the flash and with Batgirl, they were pushing for Michael Keaton to be Batman in some way, shape or form. Well, they were just confirmed to, to be bringing him back. Yes. And it was thought that maybe they were going to try and use him to sort of replace. Yeah. Ben Affleck's Batman as sort of the main Batman in this kind of, ongoing whatever the cinematic universe whatever, whatever the fuck this is uh, because obviously we have our, our our we have the batman in robert pattinson but that's its own separated thing yeah so they want a batman for the the crossover movies like the aquamans and that sort of thing so yeah it's uh because flash was supposed to introduce us or reintroduce us to Michael Keaton's Batman, mm -hmm. and then that got delayed, which would have then put Batgirl as the first film to reintroduce Michael Keaton to us. Yep. And now that's canned. So yes. apparently he only, supposedly, only mm -hmm. had like five minutes in the movie, though, in Batgirl. That didn't surprise me. Because, I mean, again, what's so kind of wild about this, too, is like... Warner Brothers, when HBO Max had finally come out and was kind of doing well months and months after its initial kind of reveal, they announced that they basically were going to make up to $100 million-esque films for just HBO Max. They were yeah. just going to be making basically theatrical-ready, but they were making it specifically for HBO Max for 
quote unquote smaller stars or smaller heroes. And the two that we had known that were announced fully were Blue Beetle and Batgirl. Yeah. And now that's entirely up in the air. And uh, <laughs> I can't imagine being a DC fan makes any sense in any <laughs> in right. any world. But uh, let's just let's just go right into the episode. Hello, everyone. I'm Logan. So on. <laughs> And I'm Andy Carr. And this is Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy. And on Odd Trilogies, we take a trio of films, whether tied by numerical order, cast and crew, thematic elements, etc. We take each film, go through one by one, and discuss the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding them. And today we are not talking about any of the fucking things we talked about in the first 23 minutes of this episode. We are talking about the Aladdin Trilogy. We're doing something... Oh my. We are doing... A lighter, straightforward trilogy that you may or may not know is a trilogy, or if you're old enough, you might remember how big of a deal it probably was to have at least one of these home straight-to-video sequels yeah. at the time. So we are discussing not only 1992's you know classic Aladdin, we're also doing 1994's The Return of Jafar and 1996's Aladdin and the King of Thieves. And to go into Aladdin just out the gate, it's there's really not much to say about Aladdin that hasn't already been said. Sure. It, is, it is a film that I think, at the time for Disney, really could have sunk them had they not put really the right amount of effort into the music, the animation, as yeah. well as banking everything on a specific star and it <laughs> actually paying off. Yeah. Because... The big thing about Aladdin, especially in 2022, we are 30 years. Right. <laughs> we're, it's our 30th, 30th anniversary of Aladdin, and it still is great. It's yeah, still, still it's it's the movie. film you would remember it being. I feel like if you saw this when it first came out and you loved it, you'll still love it now. Sure. If you didn't like it when it first came out, probably won't like it still. It's very much, it's timeless in its own. It's timeless and it's really. I don't know. We we talked about like one of the things that I think makes Aladdin work so well, and Little Mermaid has this too, and Beauty and the Beast has this to an extent. But the film's music is written by you know right. Broadway kind of like Broadway kind of uh, alums with uh, it's Howard Shore mm-hmm. and I think Roger Ashman. Yeah, it sounds the right. name the name is, escapes me, but uh, I think it, oh, I. Yeah, definitely double-check me, because I feel like I'm wrong on that. But uh, Musical score by Alan Menken. Alan Menken, thank yeah. you. Is it Howard uh, Ash? Lyrics written by Ashman and Tim Rice. Tim Rice, Ashman, and Menken. That's right. Those three ultimately lead to kind of jump-starting the Renaissance even more than it already had been jump-started at that point with right. the music in this film, because the music just is etched into your brain more so than anything. To yeah, I mean and uh, yeah, I think this is in a this movie's in an interesting place in a positive way in the sense that they're taking this Broadway approach to the music of the movie before yeah. they really got the idea to oh hey, we're going to make all these movies with the concept in mind of then them turning into uh, yeah. Broadway musicals. So I think it's not so uh a step along the way as it is, you know, that this is what we're trying to create this here. And now this movie is going to be, you know, written and 
uh, scored by the best of the best for for this purpose. Yeah, and it, it doesn't feel like it's trying to be modern. It doesn't feel like it's trying to catch on to a trend that was big in the early 90s. It very much feels like taking the Broadway basics and excelling at them by using the animation department and just the synergetic energy from animation to music to direction. Just everything yeah. works together, especially with uh, the directors. God, I'm my brain is mush <laughs> uh, right now. John Musker and Ron, Ron Clements. Clements. Musker yeah. and Clements, that's right. I haven't had enough caffeine today. I'm gonna expl- <laughs> this I'm gonna is a late recording. That. This is a late Forgive recording. Us if we're a little rusty. Yeah, but yeah, Musker and Clemens is known for, fuck, what are they not known for? They're known for Little Mermaid. They're known for Aladdin. They're yeah. known for Hercules, Princess and the Frog, uh, Treasure Planet. Um, yeah. They have some of the best, even even if some of the best and some of the cult classics under their belt. Yeah, and they ultimately are some of the, again steamrolling through the Disney renaissance with their talent, like everyone else involved with Aladdin, in a way that just feels like it works almost way too easily. Like, it's one of those films where I can see someone seeing this film for the first time and just being caught off guard by how just quick and easy, straightforward, captivating it can just be by going from... Just like song to song doesn't feel forced, even though there's sometimes very little time between song to song. Yeah, something the, that is especially contrasted by its sequels is oh, the, the oh. natural aspect of how the, oh. the songs are worked in. It yeah. feels like, oh, now it's a musical scene. Like, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like the emo- emotions are riding to a certain point and then they break out in song and it feels like this belongs here. Yeah. And it is also, it's just very clear that not having uh, not having Mencken, Rice, and Ashman for future sequels will ultimately hurt the films just objectively because yeah. it's hard to kind of capture that magic again without the stars behind it. Yeah. I also think it's, I think this is... I think Ashman passed away after this film came out, or was I close think to during it. I think it was. I think, I think this think might have been Tim his Rice last. Tim Rice had to like take over after his mm-hmm. passing. Yeah, because yeah, I think Tim Rice is, becomes a bigger role in other Disney films post this film. Yeah. But so yeah, so again, like just having the tragic death of Ashman behind it too, it's like it gives this film much more weight when it works this well, especially with the. I mean, yeah. the lyrics too. It's. It's hard to, t- again, one of the reasons why we have a hard time picking trilogies of films like this is, like, when it comes to films like Aladdin, it's just, it's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. It's still well, Aladdin. And it's also the case of, well, there's the first one that you know and love, and then there's the other two. There's the other two, which um, makes it easy for us in terms of, like, you know, format when we want to sure. do episodes like this, but it also means, like, trying to explain it. It's hard not to, like, it's hard to explain the feeling other than... We both watched it as kids. We yeah. both liked this film as a kid. Loved it even at a, at a certain point. You know, as a Disney kid, I had this on VHS. I had it on DVD. Yeah. I there's there. It's one of those films where like there'll be a random day, and it's like you know what? I'll throw on Aladdin. It's <laughs> one of those films. Um, it's a tight ninety, which again, yes. you know, we love a tight ninety in our yep. trilogies, and 
it's one of those films where, again, I think if it, this would be the most fun to watch rewatch-wise with someone who has no idea what's going to happen because about the halfway point or a little be- before the halfway point, you just get a sense that, like, if you have no idea what's going on, you're like, oh, I like this Aladdin guy. He's really cool, but, like, he just keeps getting, like, the worst luck ever. He's going <laughs> to need, like, a buddy to really help him out here. And what do they fucking do? He's going to need cheat codes. They give him the best fucking guy they could have gotten, Robin Williams, as a fucking genie. Yep. And the film just excels and turns into something that ultimately will also define whether you like this film or not because you'll either be in our camp, which is as a kid, you see the genie and you go, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I love this man. I want him to be, I want a genie. Or you'll be someone like my dad, where it's just like, oh, it's just Robin Williams doing his fucking thing again. He's doing his stand-up. He's doing a tight five. Yeah. (laughs) Which is, again, this film, out of everything that has all the talent behind it, in the direction, in the directing chairs, in the musical department, they took a fucking chance putting so much on trying to get Robin Williams into the film to the point where they signed a contract that they themselves did not keep. Yeah. (laughs) Which we will talk about with the sequels. But ultimately, what got this film sold to a degree was animators animating Robin Williams bits with the genie on top of them. Right. And it's very clearly that, like, if the genie didn't work it would be a failure. Yeah, they... <laughs> and uh, thank God, it does. Pretty, pretty. We're pretty open about, um, or are pretty open now about the fact that, yeah, they were, they wrote the character and centered the whole movie around this character that was meant to be Robin Williams. Yeah. Having no idea if they would get Robin Williams. Yeah. Because uh, he was very busy at the time and doing other things. They and threw it out in the ether, and they really wanted Robin Williams yeah. to catch it, even yeah. though it had no reason. He had no reason to really do that. Yeah. And, of course, he was working very hard on some passion projects of his own at the time, um, which was p- kind of part of the reason he didn't want to be mm-hmm. get involved. But he ended up signing on, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, kind of on the condition that he would he would be used i don't know if this was in writing or if he he and jeffrey katzenberg just shook on it or what but he basically signed on to the movie on the condition that they would use his voice and his character for less than 25 percent of the marketing and if any of you have ever seen any aladdin merch you know that didn't pan out for him and we're not even asking to look up like aladdin merch from the 90s just look up right now if you're on your computer (laughs) Look up Aladdin Blu-ray 4K or Aladdin DVD and tell me how much of that <laughs> cover <laughs> is just covered in Genie. Right. And then you'll see why. Because it's not yeah. only just that. What's also fascinating about that shit is at the time, Robin Williams had two passion projects yes. that he didn't want Aladdin to get to basically overshadow. And that was Fern Gully, yes, the animated film where he plays a rapping bat correct he's a big he was a big eco guy like environmental guy at the time and really wanted a film that was environmentally friendly and pushed you know conservation and climate change and shit like that pushing like taking care of nature and really wanted that film to do well without the disney film basically overshadowing it because obviously the disney film was going to be bigger than Vern Gully. and he also wanted to not have the film overshadow his other passion project the live action film toys which I have seen as a kid. 
And if you asked me what happens in that film, I will go, Robin Williams is in it, toys are involved, and I think LL Cool J gets roped in. (laughs) And that's kind of all I remember of that film. But at the time, he kind of had those stipulations, really asked, like, please, can we just don't use me so much. I don't want to take away from these other two films. Disney shook their heads and went, sure. And then as soon as Robin Williams turned around, they just completely breached that contract. They said, fuck that. We have a gold mine and we are going to ride it to the grave. (laughs) And they did. They obviously, they rode it to basically the last, anytime there is like an Aladdin thing, they will resurrect the genie's look in any way, shape or form. And bring it back and... Yeah, I mean, the movie, you know, as much as, you know, we respect all the other aspects of the movie, the movie wouldn't be the hit that it is without Robin Williams. Oh, no. And Disney knew that, and Disney was going to capitalize on that in any way they could. I mean, the the whole... Beyond the first poster for the movie, which is just an image of a lamp... uh, And also, beautiful fucking poster. Yeah, gorgeous So well done. But beyond that poster, pretty much... Any piece of promotional art or uh, advertisement for the movie is heavily focused on the genie. I'm pretty sure, excluding Return to Far, both Aladdin and King of Thieves have DVD VHS covers where basically the entire film is happening what looks like on Genie's chest because they made <laughs> Genie basically the, the title. The yeah. title. He has his head at the very top, just right. have his little smirk. His arms are wrapping around the title. Mm-hmm. And it's also the fact that, like, and this is. I could say it's a tinfoil hat theory, but it seems pretty fucking obvious. The success of Aladdin leads to, I don't know, let's think of other comics that have shown up in Disney films that have <laughs> yeah. become side characters that are animals and or mystical creatures. Mushu, uh, Philatides, um, fucking, it's just, it's so, I mean, fucking uh, Martin Short <laughs> in oh, Treasure Planet, yeah, like, yeah. Even though he's a smaller part in that, like it's very clear. Rosie O'Donnell and Tarzan. Rose, I kept forgetting Turk. Yeah, <laughs> Turk. Yeah, it's it's very clear in the '90s at a certain sets point. A trend. It says that oh, fucking Hunchback. You get Jason. You get three gargoyles. That is one of them oh, is filled yeah. with fucking Jason Alexander, <laughs> just being Larry David again. <laughs> well, Jason and Alexander, we also get in uh, the Aladdin trilogy. We'll talk about that when we get to it. <laughs> but yeah, it's cut and dry. It's if you've seen Aladdin, you've seen Aladdin. It's uh, it's it still easy. looks really gorgeous. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's gotten every potential remaster and clean up <laughs> under the sun, but it still looks really good. I mean, all of the yeah. I I think for a 1992 <laughs> film, all of the incorporated CGI, yeah, holds up pretty well. I will say though, and this is something that I noticed when we watched it at your place because we watched it on 4K, uh-huh. crisp beautiful but i will say the more <laughs> remasters we get of this film that just gets higher and higher in resolution the the more you see the, the 2d on top of the cg sure. like feeling almost flat in places and it doesn't take away from the film but it very much makes you go this film was not ever made with the intent to not go meant to be seen 4k this clearly, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, this was meant to be seen in a theater and hopefully on DVD when they could figure out the technology. Yeah. Seeing it in like 4K is like gorgeous, but also like, I did not know that was CG. What the fuck? I didn't <laughs> right. even know. My God, all that sand? I guess that makes sense, but yeah. okay. Like it is it is a film that is 30 years old and still slaps. 
all the music is so good. My favorite song is not even Friend Like Me. If it's your favorite song, great for you. Me, it's one, one jump ahead. Uh, Aladdin's intro song is so good. Yeah, that's, so a, good, well that's done. a good sequence, too, visually. Just all the movement through the streets and the parkour, oh, which explains God. why a street, li- a street rat like Aladdin would be so ripped. Why he's so ripped and just decides to never wear shirts. Right. It takes him how many films to wear shirts? Because I think he doesn't. He, he wears a shirt in. He uh, wears a shirt in Aladdin, but very. But he's lying in Aladdin. He's being yeah, Ali. Right. That's Ali. Sure. Aladdin wouldn't That's wear like, shirts. Yeah. <laughs> but in King of Thieves, he does wear he a shirt. He dons the full garb. He does. All right. Is there anything else you want to say about Aladdin? We're going to get into I don't these think fucking so. sequels. Yeah. Let's uh, let's deal with. Yeah. The Return of Jafar. So yeah, that's the so Return of the Jafar is awful. <laughs> I'm not even gonna fucking lie. The Return of the Jafar is very clearly, and they've said this, and I think they probably said it at the time the film came out. This film is a seventy-five minute pilot for the television series that ran for sixty episodes, three seasons from ninety-four to the end of ninety-five. Great, cool. Love it. Here's the thing, though. When it comes to a film trilogy, when you look at this film as like, okay, let's pretend that this is what they had in mind as a (laughs) sequel to Aladdin. It is one of the worst interpretations of how to do a sequel to Aladdin because the thing that's so shocking, genuinely shocking about The Return of Jafar is that, here's the thing, everybody, in case you don't remember, Aladdin's not the main character. Jasmine's not the main character. <laughs> Genie, Abu, not even the Sultan, not even Jafar's the main character. This is a fucking film where Iago, the late great Gilbert Gottfried, right. wonderful as Iago in the first film, but enough to carry a film? The answer is no. <laughs> this is, and this is going to be a hard thing to say in front of Andy because I know how much our Cars 2 experience was and how hard it was at a certain point. This makes Cars 2 look like fucking genius because this is as if cars 2 was called chicks revenge and the film was really about (laughs) luigi trying to get favor from the ferrari family like it really much feels like you are taking not even like second in command or even the main comedic force you are taking like fourth or fifth string to really make a film about it just it's really minimal effort applied to anything yeah i don't don't mean that to like disparage any individual artists or animators Mm -hmm. or anything like that um but just from from the top down i think there's just a total lack of concern for how do we follow up the original movie in any way that feels uh coherent or respectful or you know honoring that level of kind of quality and bombast and heart that we had the music it's, it feels like a 20 minute TV show episode stretched into 70 minutes. It just and a bad is, TV sh- a, episode of that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a show that like, you know, people remember fondly and the show itself again what also makes this film fucking frustrating is the f- show's premise is a globe-trotting adventure with Aladdin and friends as they go and they basically fight monsters and meet new friends and you're like why is that not a part of this film? Instead, this film never really leaves Agrabah. The new people they add are kind of fucking nobodies. And Jason Alexander plays Abyss Amal, who is a play on words of abysmal. 
and it's just Jason Alexander doing Jason Alexander, and it just doesn't add anything. He basically is, he looks like a human version of a pug. Yeah. And he is supposed to be the new Iago, but here's the thing is he's he's not he's nowhere near as fun as Iago yeah. as a sidekick, so he's just he looks like a pug man who just goes, Come on, what do you want me to do, Jafar? I got the lamp and it's like that's all it is. It's also like we don't need a new Iago when Iago's the main character of your movie. Oh, but here's the thing, Andy. How we need somebody to counteract the two to three musical numbers that Iago <laughs> leads. Gilbert Gottfried leads three musical numbers in the Latin film. Who the fuck thought that was going to work? Because it doesn't. Yeah. It's and, yeah. at one point. I think the second time Iago breaks into song. I, at the time, I mean, when I was watching this, I was watching this with my friend and roommate, Adam, and I was doing laundry, and as soon as he sang, I paused the film and said, I cannot handle this right now. I'm going to go put my clothes away, and then we can get back to this. Because it just takes the wind out of your sails. Yeah. And what also, what also helps with that, and I do not envy what this man had to do, and but... And since Robin Williams was pretty much pissed at Disney and was basically coming after them in terms of, like, you fucked me when it came to Fern Gully and the to- and toys and you put me on everything. You put Genie on yeah. everything and I told totally you not to do back, that. Went back on our deal. Yeah. You, you fucked me and I do not appreciate that. Therefore, I hate you. <laughs> since they can't get Robin Williams to be the Genie on the TV show or Return of Jafar, they get... Dan Castellaneta, who, if you don't know who that is, that is Homer Simpson. (laughs) Here's the thing about that casting. I'm not saying Dan Castellaneta is not a good voice actor. He's a good voice actor. That man has been Homer Simpson longer than I've lived. Right. (laughs) And he deserves all the praise for being able to keep that character living, even during the worst slumps in that show. (laughs) Here's the thing, though. When Return to Far comes out in 94, at that point, that's like... One of the golden eras of The Simpsons. Yeah. And so you decide to take one of the most iconic, memorable voices on 90s animation in television at that point, and you just make him do Homer again, but for a Robin Williams character, (laughs) and you think no one's going to just be like, what the fuck is going on here? He's just doing Homer. Um, a little bit. You, there's you definitely get some that, of that he... although I feel like that's more just his voice. It is. It feels like he is at least softly trying to do Robin Williams. Um, and no shade to him, but no, he's, he's I, again not a replacement for Robin Williams. No. Um, and I think it it they the movie especially struggles in the more. Uh, the genie heavy bits where it's yes. genie transforming into all these different characters and doing all these different things. And it's like, this is not Dan Castellaneta's wheelhouse. This is a specifically Robin Williams kind it of just, behavior. And it just rings super false because it's clearly not him. It feels like in a weird way, they were trying to do what they did with genie again, but this time being like, we couldn't get Robin Williams, but guess what people we got fucking Homer Simpson as Genie. It's going to work. And then you watch it and go, 
you didn't give this man enough time to really work right. on his Williams oppression, did you? Because, I mean, from this point forward, excluding King of Thieves, which we'll talk about, of course, Castellaneta is the genie. And pretty much any other kind of project, which is it's video games or maybe it's an ad, like, Castellaneta has been the genie for years. Technically yeah. longer than Williams was. <laughs> but at the same time, it's very clear in Return of Jafar this is his first time doing it, and he he's still trying to perfect it. Yeah. So what you get a lot of the times is, like, at a certain point, consider how loud the genie gets. At a certain volume <laughs> level, it just becomes Homer ah, in okay. certain areas. And yeah. it's just like, don't do Dan like this. He's such <laughs> a good voice actor. He's such a good guy, and he's just, right. he doesn't deserve this. He's got the Simpsons. And they're also like, Dan, why'd you take this? You have the Simpsons. <laughs> But at the same time, I mean, even if you got Robin back for this film, it would feel like an absolute waste. Yeah. Like, everyone involved in this film feels like they're being wasted. The animation is, I don't want to say bad, because it really isn't. It's just, it is a massive downgrade from the first film, because it's television studios overseas, basically with, I'm going to say, let's say an eighth of the budget. (laughs) Maybe, yeah, maybe God, if it feels it's, like it's 10 years older than yeah, the first it's, movie. It's also clear, too, that uh, there's not a 4K version of Return of Jafar for obvious right. reasons because they want this film to be buried <laughs> every time it's shown. Because the ver- cause it's funny because if you watch this on Disney+, Plus, it feels like a DVD rip of yeah. Return of Jafar. Like, this was the, la- the last time Return of Jafar was out was during DVD. Like, yeah. you could buy it in home and whatnot. But. It is just, the music is bad. The animation is television quality, and it's very clear that, again, the TV studios, which apparently the film was animated by Walt Disney Studio, like Television Studios Australia and Japan. Like, oh. the first half of the film is Australia, and I think the second half of the film is Japan. And it's clear that both studios just didn't have the time to figure out how do we, cons- like, how do we conserve the amount of money we have, but also not make the carpet look like absolute ass. And it's like, I guess just make him look like a lukewarm carpet. And it's like, yeah. okay, I guess we can do that. It's kind of like plain purple. It gets to a certain point in the film where it just, it goes off the rails. It gets it gets real silly, but not in a fun way. It ends, and you just can't help but go, Jesus, okay. <laughs> Please. Please tell me that King of Thieves is better than this, which... Yeah. It is. And the thing, too, is uh, with Return of Jafar... Oh, I mean, again, we should talk about, too. In the... I mean, if Case, you know, in the first film, Jafar, absolutely phenomenal. He is an iconic Disney villain for a reason. In the 92 film, even though he is a sleazy, just snake, and literally becomes a sleazy snake at one point in the film, he is killing it in that first yeah, film. Yeah, he's creepy and cool. And, yeah. yeah. And then in Return of Jafar, my God, does he just like... The the whole rules of what a genie can do just go out the window, because it's like, yeah. Jafar's evil. He can just abuse power. And it's like, but genie said you can't go so far. Right, right. <laughs> and it's like, nope. Jafar is evil. He can do whatever <laughs> he wants. That is, he plays on opposite day rules. And it's yeah. like, okay. And it also is the fact, too, that in the music, uh, I don't think any... I think <laughs> they do bring back Arabian Nights in the very beginning. 
But I think that I honestly, I think I read, and hopefully this is true, but uh, it is like they used a longer version of the song that they actually don't use in the movie. So it's like demos added to <laughs> what was in the original film. And that goes into King of Thieves as well, because in King of Thieves, you actually get an Arabian Nights reprise that was supposed to end Aladdin initially, but yeah. they didn't do that. And that ends King of Thieves. Yes. And which feels like a good bookend to the yeah. trilogy as a whole. Although but it feels weird because that the the he doesn't show up. Sh- yeah, the little vendor character shows up at the end of King of Thieves after having not been in the past two movies. Yeah, <laughs> it's. <sighs> but anyway, we can we can talk about King of Thieves though. Absolutely. Which so, is, at yeah. the very least, a mild upgrade from Return yeah. of Jafar. So, Return of Jafar was pretty much lambasted by any critic that had to watch and review that film but because it was attached to the aladdin name it sold well it led into a tv show that was very popular like i said ran from mid like early to mid 94 to like late 95 three seasons i think about 60 episodes it was just a fun disney afternoon series that you watch it a lot I did watch a good amount of it. I know I did because as soon as Abysmal showed up, I went, oh, shit. That guy's <laughs> been in the back of my brain for all these years. And it's just, it's a show that, like, again, the way The Return of Jafar ends is basically how the show picks up where it's just like Aladdin's whole arc in Jafar, which I put quotes really heavy <laughs> around arc. arc. But basically, Aladdin's like, I can't get married yet. I want to see the world. And so. The Aladdin show is just him seeing the world with his friends. And they see dragons, and they see, I think, Bigfoot oh. at one point. They see some weird shit. They go okay. all over the I know they go to Greece at one point. Um, and so ultimately, it's just a, the classic Disney afternoon, like, we're going to milk this show, but it's not going to be awful. You're going <laughs> to enjoy it enough and make I it think, look good. Yeah, I think I only remember seeing bits and pieces here and there. But I was never like a Disney kid or disney channel kid i was I watched disney movies but i did not like disney channel my parents can attest that i was the kid that would have the bowl and would put all the animation serials into that one bowl i would watch nickelodeon oh, cartoon yeah. network um uh disney channel if i could wake up early enough i'd watch wb like oh, i would watch yeah. anything animation wise it was just like give it to me i will take it in my brain and Aladdin was one of those shows, I think, around the time that it was doing reruns because, again, the reason why Disney went to three seasons for their TV shows was syndication. Once they could hit the syndication limit, they stopped their shows. And then the <laughs> Aladdin basically ran until, like, I would say 2008, 2009 because <laughs> oh. of, of, like, Toon Disney, basically. Yeah, yeah. It just kept going until Toon Disney became a completely different channel. And... After, at the end of 1995, I think around before the end of the third season, they announced that they had a third film, a third direct-to-video, a third, a, a second direct-to-video film, but the third in this trilogy that would ultimately, in some way, shape, or form, kind of be a series finale to the show, while also kind of being like, if you didn't watch the show, the, the only, it's the only sequel that really fucking matters. So, <laughs> we get into 1996's... Aladdin and the King of Thieves, and oh my god, it is such an upgrade in so many different places. <laughs> it just shows clearly what, again, like we talked about on the in the opening about, you know, giving 
creatives enough time to work with the tools they're given. It's clear that at King of Thieves, it they probably don't have that much more of a budget, but they just now have animated Agrabah, the team, yeah. so much that they know the way to direct it and they know the way to animate it in a way that works with the budget they're given. Right. So you get a, you get a film that still is TV quality, but man, does a lot of cooler things and actually has some really good shots and some pretty moments, especially towards the end. Yeah. And also gets Robin Williams back right. at the point that the at the point uh, I think ninety five is when I think the head of Disney uh, gets switched out with a new guy and basically they apologize to Robin yeah. Williams and say we yes our company fucked up and that is entirely on us we love you we want you to come back to be at least genie for this and Robin Williams basically got at least a million dollars to be genie in a direct-to-video film. Right, right. But do you know the Castellaneta part of this story? No. <laughs> Dan Castellaneta recorded all of the lines for genie for King of Thieves, oh. and they scrapped it as soon as Williams showed up. Oh. As soon as Williams became a part of the film, all the stuff that Castellaneta had done for the film had been like, all right, don't need to worry about it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Williams. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. But what you get in return is, as soon as Genie shows up, it is, oh my god, it's Genie. He's back. It's it's yeah. the Genie I remember. There he is. Maybe the jokes are not as good. <laughs> Definitely not. But at the yeah, same it's, time, uh, it's it's the Genie. <laughs> Having Robin Williams back is a breath of fresh air until uh, it becomes clear that they've kind of, uh, the, the creative team behind Aladdin has kind of run their their course on what yeah. to do with genie jokes and genie bits and now it's just oh genie's just gonna spend all of his screen time transforming into vaguely recognizable uh, famous figures and impersonating them and it's like okay all yeah. right fair and enough. the thing about that first aladdin is it's i it's just like it almost seems game changing at the time just yeah. being like we're just gonna let this guy riff and we're just gonna animate what his riff is yeah and now we get to King of Thieves, and not only do they have less of a budget to really do it as fluid as that first film, at this point, Castellaneta and Williams combined, there has now been four years <laughs> of genie content. Yeah. Where they definitely, at a certain point, they either had to, at, at moments, had been to Williams, like, actually, we've already made that joke before. Or they had to be like, you gotta... <laughs> Uh, we don't have enough money to animate that per se, but maybe do something that's kind of an easier thing to do. And so you, like Andy said, you get like in the opening song, you get <laughs> oh, you yeah. get you get an you get a moment where he becomes Rocky Balboa, and then immediately turns into Don King, <laughs> and it's like oh, so this is this is where we're at now. Yeah. It's just. Even more references at that time. He because becomes he, Rambo at one point. He does become Rambo. That's the second Stallone. Yes. Um, he does he There's, become Bob and Tom at one point? Oh, he might. I, uh, again, it's it's one of those things where it's like think of late '90s and possible and like celebrities <laughs> that are at every different listing, and it is like he probably made fun of them or at least did an impression of them. Yeah. Because like in the first film, you get. A lot of you get a lot of him doing ghoulish or goofy or like stereotypical kind of stuff where like he plays yeah. a Scotsman right. or he dresses up as a lady, you know, very Looney Tune style. But like, you know, you get icon you get moments where he's like, you know, he pretends to be Jack Nicholson. Yeah. 
But it's is, like fitting for the moment because he's being kind of a little like carouser. Yes. Uh, you know, he's. I don't want to say entirely in the original Aladdin movie, but largely a lot of those transformations or when he takes on uh, or does impressions of famous figures, it kind of serves the kind of idea he's trying to get across in that moment. You know, he's, he's leaning into a certain form of speech to kind of fit what he's saying. And by the, by the sec- second and third movies, it's just kind of like, how many different people can Robin Williams be in one movie? Yeah, how can how can Dan Castellaneta pretend to be Robin Williams pretending to be this person? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like at a certain point, and again, it's not that the bits in the first film don't work. They're still funny as hell to me. Right. But at the same time, it also is like when you get to those Aladdin sequels, it's almost like I can kind of see why my dad is not sure, a big yeah. fan of the genie in, in a sense. Or it's like at a certain point in King of Thieves, there is a whole thing that apparently I think was possibly ad-libbed entirely, which was the whole Jasmine genie scene where he's basically oh, like yeah. talking about what they could do wedding-wise. Yeah. And it is just at a certain point my brain went, Realistically, if you had to live with this for like two years, you would be overbearing, I think, in two months. This is, Jesus Christ, this is just so, this is starting to wear off. The genie love is starting to wear a little bit, at least in this film. It's still fun. Genie is still killing it at times. But I would say for once in this movie, Genie's not the highlight. No. No, Um, he's not. Because we get... uh, an actual kind of arc for Aladdin and yes. a relationship with a new character, his uh, own father. Kasim, who Kasim. is the King of Thieves. Indeed. And the he's th- hot, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. Hot dad. Un- we love un- hot dads. Unbearably hot. I don't know why he looks like he's supposed to be in like his mid-50s, but they also animate him like he's really, he looks like he's in his early 40s, yeah. where it's like he... he they animate him like he's not in the desert 24-7. Yeah, he's got but, a professional groomer or something. Yeah, if there's anything you could take from the first film with Aladdin is the fact that the title character is not, at a certain point, the main selling point, nor would he be, like, in my opinion, second or third. Right. Aladdin's great. I think Aladdin's... I think Scott Winnegar... Winger, I think, Winger, might be how it's pronounced. Who is, who, who, is he, who is he from Full House? Oh, I don't I, I know. know. I, I don't either. Maybe I, I Steve. Know. I don't know. You're. I mean, your girlfriend basically said it like everyone yeah. should have known it in the room, and I was like, oh, really? <laughs> he was from Full House? I guess that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, he does a great job, I think, in the first film, and I think in Return to Far, he is trying his hardest, like every actor in that film, but yet to no avail, it is not working. And then in three, you finally get the backstory. You're kind of like, oh, shit. Yeah, that's what an Aladdin sequel should be about. Aladdin. Yeah, right. <laughs> and it's like, it's almost like with the turn of Jafar, they were like, ah, yeah, but what's Iago thinking? It's like, motherfucker, we don't even know if Aladdin's parents are alive. Why are we doing Aladdin? Where's Jasmine's yeah. mom? Maybe we could do something with that. Why does it have to be the bird? <laughs> <laughs> and then with King of Thieves, you get a pretty standard but well done arc about the missing parent. Where have they been? They're super cool. Yeah. They turn out to be... They're supposed to be a bad guy, but they're not really a bad right. guy. They don't. They make it pretty clear early on. They could establish that his father, Kasim, kills innocent people. He doesn't. He just steals from the rich. So it's like, yeah. oh, so it's like a Robin Hood thing. He That's says cool. it's like part of the thieves' code. We and it's do like not tight. innocence. Okay. And it's like, cool, good Fair for you. Enough. 
And I swear, it feels really obvious watching it. And I think IMDb like trivia says this was supposed to be the case. So it could be either way this is true or not. But in King of Thieves, because he was played by John Reese davies he kills it. But at a certain point in the film, it feels like it's very clearly at one point was supposed to be Sean Connery. <laughs> Especially yeah. towards the end yeah. when you have the father who is who finds the treasure he is searching his entire life to get only to throw it away or to like basically choose his son over the treasure. Yeah. Like the last crusade. <laughs> so it's like it feels very much to a certain point like Maybe if they if they were like, okay, we can't get Williams back. What's some one way we can get people excited for King of Thieves? They're like, what if we make yeah. Aladdin's dad Sean Connery? And it's like, shit, let's do it. Yeah. And then I think apparently one of the reasons why, or the main reason why it probably didn't go through is because of scheduling conflicts. And so what do you do? Well, why not get another Indiana Jones alum who <laughs> is a phenom- who has a beautiful voice. Right. This fucking, who will later be Ghibli in Lord of the Rings. Right. You get John Reese davies fucking kills it. It works perfectly with the Aladdin's dad's design. I mean, the new costumes for all the characters look cool as hell. Everyone yeah. gets something, I think, to do in a funnel. Even sure. Abu gets a wedding outfit. <laughs> they gave my monkey man a wedding outfit, and yeah. I appreciate that. I appreciate yeah. that. It's, it's very straightforward. It's, I think... It's almost as long as the first film. It isn't yeah, as long, it's but it's like I think a few than minutes off. Return of Jafar, but shorter than. Yeah, and the it's OG. a, it's a film that about halfway through it seems to just be like ah, we could do something with the plot, but let's make this father son time, and then they do father son time for a good amount, yeah. and then it's like oh that's right, there's a plot we could do, let's <laughs> do that. And it's like yeah sure we can do that that's fine I'm still having a good time with Father Son time they haven't played catch yet but yeah we can go find the hand of Midas fuck it yeah it's it's just such in my opinion and again this is a, an opinion to take with a grain of salt because I haven't seen a lot of the direct video Disney sequels this just feels like if this isn't the best one this should be like maybe a gold standard as to how they should do it right. Where it's just it'd be like at least this good. <laughs> it'd be at least this good. Like in my mind, it's like this an extremely goofy movie. As like this is how you should do like a direct to video right. sequel. It was extremely course. goofy movie direct to video. It was direct to video. Wow. Yeah. It's it's a good direct to video. And yeah. it, and if you like Simba's Pride too, that's understandable. It was a fucking hit when it came out. I'm just I would say I don't think that film is Logan's aged saying you well. Shut up. No, we Shut will. Up if you like There's that a possi- movie. If you want to, we could talk about the Lion King trilogy yeah. at a later date. But I, I will tell you, Simba's Pride is not going to be high on my list. <laughs> that that film has its issues, but with King of Thieves, it's like, it's not hitting anything phenomenal, but it's just doing what it's doing really well. It's a yeah, lot of fun. I mean, it's compelling enough as like a children's t- fable, and yeah, the songs know, are so much better and actually genuinely kind of memorable. Yeah, they are. Uh, I think it still has some of the issues of Return of Jafar and like, oh, we're just gonna do a song now. Yes, but yes. the songs themselves are more interesting. Yeah, um, the the, and- the father and song son song is clearly like, you didn't really have to have that in there, <laughs> but you got Robin Williams. Yeah. Go ahead and give it to him. It's fine. Yeah. I will also say another little thing with now thinking about with Aladdin. It is funny that in that original film, uh, Aladdin and Jasmine, their speaking voices are not the same as their singing voices. Right. But 
when it comes to the genie, Robin Williams is, I don't think, a trained singer, and yet he gets the whole song just to yeah. be himself. Yeah. And I love that. He's like, I think, one of the only actors in that original film to just use his own voice for singing. I love it, yeah. But I think him and Jafar might be the only two. Maybe so. Maybe. But, yeah. I mean, The King of Thieves, you got you got a party here in Agrabah. You have Jasmine's song to Aladdin, which is really, really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Father and Son, it's fun. Welcome to the, welcome to the, like, the 40 Thieves song is fun. Are You In or Out is, you know, fun as well, which I didn't realize until today. The the main antagonist for King of Thieves is named Saluk. Oh, yeah. And uh, he's the gray man. He is. He is very gray. And I don't. In a film that has, like, thieves that are, like, almost ve- like very stereotypical to the point of this like is is that racist <laughs> i don't know i think I don't know. elements of it's, this it's, whole trilogy is kind of that yes like, it, it was con- it was controversial at the time yeah in terms of they've its, put like you know, i think disclaimers before each of them now i yeah i do think in the i think in aladdin the original aladdin there was a line about like slitting throats and oh, they yeah. had to and they had to get rid of it because it's a kid's film and also why are you trying to perpetuate that <laughs> With your version of, like, it doesn't make, why? Why would yeah. you do that for a kid's film? And so with this, it's like, <laughs> you get 40 Thieves, you get, like, it's like, this is the Asian thief. And it's like, right. really? Yeah. It's just, he's that's his quality. Yeah. It's like, oh, he does kung fu, too. And it's like, I feel like you're not understanding why I'm asking this question. Um, There's the Indian thief. He has a rope that goes up. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Does he do anything else? His teeth are bad. Maybe we should go to the next guy yeah, yeah. and figure that out. And it's also weird, too, is, like, the main thieves are, at a certain point, stereotype, stereotype, fat guy, triplets, yeah, and a guy that throws knives. Right. <laughs> and then Saluk, who is just, like... He has Wolverine claws and looks yeah. like... Uh, the main bad guy from Mulan. Yeah, he's uh oh uh god. Gosh. Why can't I remember his name? I can't either. It's it's again, it's a long night. Yeah. <laughs> but no, he looks like he went to Scar School of Totally Not Looking Like the Villain of the Film <laughs> Academy. It's just John like he's John Yu. John Yu, yes. Because uh, Saluk basically as soon as he shows up on screen, he looks like the villain version of like the character you created showing up in a cutscene in a video game yeah, where it's like, that's the guy we should take out. Totally different color palette. He's got like black eyes yeah. with yellow pupils. And, and at one point, Aladdin technically throws him off a cliff and is supposed to kill him, but Saluk is such a nasty He's a machine. Is a nasty machine that he kills a shark in the water. <laughs> and it's like, okay, this man is evil. But cool though, <laughs> he he Props. might have he, you're tough. He might have knuckle only one set of knuckles with claws on it. Yeah. But it's still kind of cool how he just yeah. I will say that fight between him and Aladdin like halfway through the movie, whenever you know the, yeah, whenever Aladdin basically supposedly kills him, mm-hmm. um, that's a pretty intense fight. It's well done. It's for, well for a home video cartoon fight. It's pretty intense, and the the choices of lighting they do um mm-hmm. with like bright reds and bright blues is 
pretty intense. I think I'd be be nervous if I was a kid. I think that and the Hidden Temple are where like the direction really shines, and the animation yeah, department really do a the great job. Vanishing Temple, yes, is that what it's called? yeah. Well, like as soon as the Hannah Midas starts getting used, it's so yeah. cool, and it looks really well done. And it's a really interesting like. How would you interpret metallic, like chromed out looking gold with yeah. 2D animation? Mm-hmm. And it's a really like satisfyingly animated take on how to do that. Um, but in classic television fashion as well, it's like, how would that look in water? And you go, pee. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, pee. The water I guess. turns gold too. The water turns just pee. <laughs> the water turns into piss, but it's actually gold. And it's yeah. like, okay, that's um, fine too. But that, yeah, actually, the uh, when we when it got to the hand of Midas scene, it like, you know, you ever watch one of those movies uh, that you haven't seen in years since you were like a child, and you, you it just unlocks this memory in your brain that you didn't remember was there. The whole hand of Midas thing, the hand of Midas itself, everything turning gold, the way all of that looks, yeah. it's kind of rotating camera moves in that in that scene. Just I was like, oh. I watched this a lot, and I, mean, I just now remembered. I mean, same here. I knew I'd I, seen it, but like that scene, I'm pretty sure was a huge part of my childhood. I don't know if I just rewatched that scene over and over yeah. again, but like, man, when the water started turning to piss, I was like, wow, that takes me back. I think for me in that scene, I think the scene that happens with the put that in my brain is the turtle head. Oh. When the turtle head pops up, I went. Ooh. What the fuck? What? How? Then it's also when in when the hand of Midas is introduced initially, my brain went. So Luke is gonna be turned to gold. Didn't even remember what his name was at the time. I just went like main bad guy gets turned to gold, falls into the water, and it's like, I guess I have seen this film. I watched it a lot when I was a kid as well because yeah. But that, just, that whole sequence where they're like standing on the the hand shaped <laughs> platform of gold. There's that's a, a floating really cool gold scene. hand platform for the gold hand on a stick. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. I also beautiful like that thing. the hand of Midas looks like a giant like amber lollipop. Yes. Like it's just got a little popsicle stick you just coming lick out it. the bottom. You want to lick it? It's like a ring pop yeah. or a push pop. Yeah. It's like I want that. Right. Why can't I have it? <laughs> <laughs> Feels like they. There's no way they didn't sell. Pops like Ooh, popsicles or something like that. I gotta look it, that right? up. There's definitely, apparently, if I read correctly, like there was a huge million dollar campaign for this film, and it's direct to video film, so like it wasn't in theaters, but they made a deal with McDonald's and made toys out the brim for <laughs> this fucking film for McDonald's. Oh, I don't know if there is a hand of of uh, Midas. It's okay though. We've got the Jar Jar popsicle lollipop thing. That's, That's all that matters. That's, That's all, all that really matters. I just wanted to see if you know the world loved me enough to give me that hand of Midas lollipop as well. <laughs> but yeah, Casim uh, uh, is a great foil to Aladdin. It's great to see. Yeah. Just Kasim in general is very clearly like as you watch this film again. If it's the first time you've seen this film, you're probably like, oh. If he's been fine and hot and doing 40 Thieves shit this whole time, why did he not go back and get his son and his wife? And there's a he makes a decently good reason as to why he doesn't do it. And the fact that like he did try at one point and completely misunderstood the situation and just thought that they were dead. Had no idea. Yeah. And it honestly is like, yeah, it's like, that's a good way to bring it in. That's a good way to not make him be a piece of shit father, but also <laughs> make it clear as to why he 
didn't realize it was Aladdin when they first fight. Yeah. Because they fight face to face and he didn't even think like, hmm, that kind of looked like me when I was a 19 year old. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you get, there's nothing grown. I don't think there's really anything grown worthy in this film. I think it really is just cut and dry for a trilogy ender that really shouldn't be a trilogy ender. <laughs> it is a, uh, it, it does, does a really feel good like job. A pretty good cap. Yeah, on it, it does. Though. Yeah. Um, e- even with the fact that the market, the, the the market salesman has no real character and no real purpose in the film until book ending the trilogy yeah. at the very end. It is it is nice to kind of have that moment at the very end where it's like they're married, they're happy. Kasim uh, is going to go on wild adventures with Iago. Yeah. And you know they're happy, they're fat and happy in Agrabah, and you know what. Aladdin's going to be a dope king or a dope right. sultan or vizier. It's also funny looking back, like by the end of King of Thieves, then looking back at the chronology of Aladdin stories and just like how long it took Aladdin and Jasmine to get married. Oh my God, it's so funny. Because <laughs> the whole, basically the premise of Aladdin is, oh, he's going to, you know, mm-hmm. these street rats going to get the princess to fall in love with him. They're going to get married. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Return of Jafar, that doesn't happen. Uh, the Aladdin series, it doesn't, doesn't happen. happen. In this, it doesn't happen because it gets delayed at the beginning of the movie and then it comes it gets, back together and happens at the at the end. It gets and delayed so like, many wow, times. these guys, that was, a, that was a hell of an engagement. Hell yeah. But you know what? It still, it paid off. They got, they got yeah. what they needed. Yeah. And again, it, this is, this is the point of the trilogy that we really enjoy talking about just because it's either we're shitting on it or we're just appre- we're appreciating the fact that it didn't end on a wet fart and the king well, of thieves yeah, is a very very solid good time yeah it's just ni- it's interesting how this trilogy kind of epitomizes both ends of the home video sequel phenomenon because in the second the in return of jafar you get mm-hmm. One of the worst Disney uh, direct-to-video sequels, probably. Yeah. Um, and then you get one of the better ones, or one that should be seen as an example of how to do one uh, to cap it all off. I was going to bring up how fucking funny it is that the Sultan, in all three films, constantly has moments that goes like, it's the law, I don't know how to change it. And you yeah. go, you are the Sultan. <laughs> you can abuse your power if you want to. We... Don't like that in the real world, but in cartoon world, that's okay. Yeah, you he, seem dumb and nice enough. Yeah. In he, the first film, he does that. In the second film, I think to a certain degree, he kind of is like, maybe you should overlook this. This yeah. is fine. And then in three, Aladdin literally commits a crime, is aware of that crime, is willing to face a sentence, and is caught. And the Sultan basically goes, I can't do anything about it. Actually... That was a really kind of courageous thing you did for your dad. I appreciate that. I'm Sultan. You get a get out of jail free card. Yeah. And it's like, you motherfucker. Well, how... isn't, isn't there a scene where Iago gets like sentenced to death or something? And the Sultan's like, I wish I could do something about it. Yes, that's it. That's in Return of Jafar. Oh, that's Return of Jafar. Because I think in Return of the Jafar. No, no, no. It might. No. It might be. Yeah, because in King of, say, Thieves, I think it's King of Thieves. Because <laughs> they play Iago, he's so small, they put him in one chain yeah. cuff of like <laughs> handcuffs. It's great. Yeah, the, the, the Sultan. So what are you is, talking about, Sultan? Uh, Your word is the only word that matters here. I mean, what really matters about the Aladdin trilogy is that the original film inadvertently created the Proud Boys movement. And <laughs> it'll be something that 
I will never not think is the funniest thing in the world. And if you think I'm joking, I'm not. <laughs> uh, the Aladdin music, the Aladdin film leads to the phenomenal Aladdin musical. Would love to see live. But in the Aladdin musical, they have added songs to it. And one of the songs in that musical is sung by Aladdin's mom. And it is called Proud of Your Boy. It's as simple as that, folks. It is. There's nothing else to it other than a bunch of assholes decided to take that name and turn it into something so much worse. So technically, Aladdin <laughs> led to the creation of something truly awful. What a world we live in. Lovely. What a world we live in. We couldn't live in a world where Return of Jafar is really about genie or carpet. <laughs> I would have loved... I would love a film about Carpet. He says nothing. Oh, yeah. He go on adventures on his own. He can fly. It's fun to watch him fly. Unproblematic king. Carpet. Absolutely. Get him a female Carpet. Do, like, the most boring, lazy thing you could do with, like, a sequel. A pink Carpet. Yes. It, I mean, you'd have to. Yeah. You'd have to do that. yellow because he's purple. Yeah, I was going to say, you got to get, get a color. So you got to get, like, a piss yellow, <laughs> like, female Carpet, right, right. quote, unquote, as if Carpet even has a gender. Right. I think they refer to him as him, though. I Yeah, because I feel like it's just the dominant... They all just think, ah, oh, it's got to be a guy, right? right? Right. And no one wants to say out loud, it's a carpet, man. <laughs> like, it could be whatever it wants to be. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I can't remember. There's a scene in Return of Jafar right at the end where carpet gets turned into, like, a stiff, rigid material and shatters yeah. to pieces. Yes. I don't remember how he gets back from that. Once they take out Jafar, once they throw Jafar in the lava, oh, he which just again turns back. Yeah, basically all the magical stuff that Jafar did turns back to normal. It's like in it's like kind of at the end of Aladdin when like at the end of Aladdin he turns carpet into a big old ball of thread. Oh yeah. And like he makes the giant hourglass that is supposed to uh like smother jasmine in red sand. Jasmine. Yeah, red jasmine. <laughs> and um Ultimately, when you take out the genie, the magic goes away. I guess I guess that kept that continuity yeah. going from that to Return of Jafar. But that is the Aladdin trilogy. That is that is a film trilogy that is close. I think closer to most film trilogies, especially with animated kids films, than you you'd think. <laughs> in terms, especially when you just have two direct-to-video film sequels that didn't need to be made, but right. ultimately, like while one is. A mistake, entirely a mistake. It, it led to a TV show that is pretty beloved, I think, of kids of that era, and also a trilogy ender that is genuinely a really good Disney movie. And honestly, if it was a film that actually had like a theatrical budget, I think it probably would have done well as like sure. a theatrical film. Because I mean, this film did gangbusters just on the direct-to-video market. I I would yeah. think that like. It worked. It resonated not because of the Aladdin brand. It definitely has something to do with it. But after Return of Jafar, I think it really sold people on Williams being back, more stuff for Aladdin, more stuff for the whole crew. Because, again, one of the worst parts about Return of Jafar is most of the crew does absolutely nothing. Yeah. Well, as in King of Thieves, like, Jasmine gets some good punches in. Carpet has some good... There's some good, like, wombo combo, like, <laughs> just dual hits. And yeah. even at one point, Genie sacrifices himself just to annoy the turtle. Oh, right. <laughs> he just... He, and I don't know if it's because they couldn't get Williams to do any more lines for a certain point. Or they're just trying to get the Genie out of the scenario. Because it's like, if the Genie stays, Saluk is kind of at a disadvantage. Yeah. We kind of need the Genie to do something else. <laughs> 
And so, yeah, that's the Aladdin trilogy. They definitely didn't make a remake in 2019. Actually, they they did. They did make ah, it. Yes. They, they did. Indeed, they did. And they did. And they may perhaps be following that up. Yeah. And they may perhaps replace Will Smith. If you just look up Aladdin 2, all the rumor mills are saying that Dwayne The Rock Johnson might be the new genie, which... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, Andy has not seen that film, which is completely understandable, but I have. And what I can remember of that film is that compared to the other live-action Disney films, uh, well, unnecessary live-action Disney films I had seen, it is unnecessary. (laughs) That's it. I mean, I think the casting is pretty great in terms of, like, Jasmine and Aladdin and the look and what they're trying to, like, try to do differently. But the execution, it's clearly like, you can't do the (laughs) animated film. Yeah. But, hey, it led to a billion dollars. At the box office, Aladdin 2 is apparently slated for 2025. Um, it is rumored, heavily rumored, and I hope it's heavily rumored because this is, I think, a bad fucking idea. There's a possibility of kind of doing Return of Jafar again yeah. as its sequel. Yeah, no. Just, let's go straight to King of Straight to King of to Thieves. King of Thieves. Come on. hot dad. Yeah, dream. Kasim. It'd be so, so many people would dream cast Kasim. Dwayne The Rock Johnson as Kasim. I do not agree, but if it means we go into King of Thieves instead of Return to Far, I would be okay with sure. that. But, uh, yeah, Aladdin franchise as a whole has just been just a Disney staple that has led, yeah. you know, led to a classic era of just Disney Renaissance films that kind of propel Disney to keep doing more and more great films. It even ultimately led to when they did the Disney Princess line. Oh my God, Jasmine blew up even more (laughs) than she already did at the time of just like the height of Aladdin in the 90s. And now it's like, if you see Aladdin anywhere, it's just like, oh yeah, great movie. Same with Jasmine, same with Genie. It's it's just, uh, it's iconic, especially for our age demographic and older. And so that's the Aladdin trilogy. It's, it's... Honestly, the only film you need to watch is the first one. But if you're going right. to go into the sequels, only watch King of Thieves. Yes, yeah, skip Return of Jafar. It's a good time. It's 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 like how and hilariously it's how I watched it as a kid. Because I think as a kid, I always was like, I isn't never there? Watched Return of Jafar. As I a kid. never did either. But I, I think, think my I'd family only seen bits and pieces as I grew up and was like, oh, this is apparently a really bad mm-hmm. movie. I think as a kid, it was like I'd watch the animated show and it's like, I guess this is the sequel. I guess this is the first one. And then with King of Thieves, it's like, oh, I guess this is the only one that matters, yeah. sequel-wise. But yeah. Uh, gosh, what are we going to do next, Andy? It's time It's time we talk about it. it uh, yeah, well, we've we've got some, uh, some celebrating to do. Yes, we do. Uh, we... Next episode will be the 20th, yes, I believe, yes, will. Uh, which will pretty well, pretty closely mark the two-year anniversary of starting this podcast. Two years. Two years two of years. doing this. Isn't this insane? A that pandemic is... baby yeah. has Fif- now grown up into a terrible twofer. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say turned into a terrible... <laughs> and just stop you know, there. the terrible twos, they say. The, yes, the terrible twos, uh, but... But no. Yeah, 51 episodes, 9 or 10 kind of frequels, yeah. uh, f- two top 10 lists. This is true. It is, it is insane that we've gotten to this point, and we're super excited to talk about just kind of where we are now in terms yeah. of, you know, 
the podcast itself where we'd like to go. Our, we'll, we hope to get kind of like we did last year, a little bit of uh, you know audience engagement. Yeah, we'll, for sure. We'll check out, be be watching our our socials because we'll we'll be looking for some input from you guys and some things to talk about from the from the crowd. But yeah, just a lot of uh, reflecting and looking forward. And then we we also have plans beyond the. Uh, yeah. Do we want to reveal that now or wait till the anniversary special? Uh, you decide. <laughs> We do have a film <laughs> trilogy set up for September. It is going to tie in to a highly anticipated series release. Yes. But I will say it is not the trilogy you might think it is. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. And it's also a trilogy that hopefully, if the stars align by the time we get to that point, we will have our first solo guest that is not tied to an april fool's day special or anything like that and hopefully from that point forward we will one of our goals and we'll talk about the the anniversary special is doing kind of more guests involved as well and our main hiccup or main obstacle on that so far has been a a technical one our equipment is not set up for it but we're we're working on that and hope to hope to get things in ship shape so we can start having some other voices it is it's going to be we're very excited to keep going forward especially with what we have planned for september just know it's going to be an unexpected journey to get to that point (laughs) but it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun when we get to that because the trilogy we have in mind is definitely chock full of odd shit (laughs) yes but until then tune in on the 20th when we talk about our anniversary special, everything, you know, doing some house cleaning, hearing your thoughts on the show and what you'd like to see in the future. And just, you know, reminiscing on the fact that it has been two years since we started this. Until then, though, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.